Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> good afternoon. I'm Michelle Lichty, and I'm here with David Henderson, who is having technical problems with his phone. <laughs> Hopefully, though, it doesn't collect, collect again, and we you this whole time. Yeah. If you're on the podcast, you wouldn't notice, but if I laugh, you'll know why. Um, so we're here today to talk about the sermon from this past Sunday. Um, Jesus, the new defining center from John chapter three, verses 22 through 36. And in this sermon, um, you talked a lot. It was um, John's disciples seeing Jesus kind of baptizing people. And they were like, John, look, you're like, what's happened? What gives? (laughs) What gives? Yeah. Yeah. And John says, no, it's fine. It's good. It's all good. That's the modern day translation. I like it. Um, and so we focused a lot on God's call. And, how, and John says, so in verse 27, John says, um, yeah, I have God's call on my life, but my calling isn't about me. And that was... Um, and the, the question that followed that was, what good work is God calling me to do? Just, you know, so it was just, yeah, very thought provoking for me to be thinking about what is my posture when it comes to Jesus? Am I like John in looking at Jesus or am I like his disciples, like saying, I'm over here. Yeah, I think that this, um, I realized as I was preaching this passage, how formative this passage has been in my own understanding of both what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to serve Jesus in in a role of spiritual leadership. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how how similar to the spirit of uh, Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest, this whole conversation is the giving of your all to God, the letting him displace you from the center. And, and I, um, and I realized as I was spending time going through and translating and studying this passage and then reflecting on its implications, how, how much, at least in my understanding, this takes us to the very heart of what the gospel will do in a person's life, what it will, almost by definition, what it will necessarily do. That Second uh, Corinthians five fifteen, where Paul says, um, he says something about it, no longer living. Christ died for me and rose again, so that I would no longer live for myself, mm-hmm. but for Him who died for me. And and that's that whole. It's that whole this that we've talked about so many times that is, mm-hmm. okay, th- this is the truth. This is who Jesus is. This is what he came to do. This is what he accomplished. 
I am a forgiven person. I have experienced eternal life, but Mm -hmm. what is that actually going to mean for me as a human being? This. And I think so many of us want to retain me at the center. I want it to be about me. I want it to be on my terms and still have all that God has for me. Mm. And I love how John's example, it's a radical one. You know, we're called to wear, you know, inside out camel hair and start munching on a diet of insects, <laughs> uh, fortunately. Thank God but, for small favors. <laughs> right, really. But the, the huge thing that is true for every one of us is his, I must decrease, he must increase. I, the, I love the Eugene Peterson translation. Um, he must occupy the center and I must move to the sidelines. What a great way of capturing mm-hmm. the heart of that. And that is the call on the Christian's life. Mm-hmm. So, so this is um, it's a passage that I, I just realized has, has just wormed its way into my heart and stayed with me from the very first time I encountered it and is so defining of my own sense of what does it mean for me to be a Christian? What does it mean for me to serve Jesus in mm-hmm. the church and in the world? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, as you were, as you were preaching this message, um, the thing I kept remembering was like, um, John in this moment shines, right? Like as a reflection of Jesus. And when he said, um, he must increase and I must decrease, he, I'm sure he said it absolutely 100%. This is absolutely what's going to happen. And he had no idea what that meant. Mm. Right. Because here, um, you know, just, I'm not clear on, uh, how long, late, how much longer, how much later in, in John's life, this happens, but pretty soon after this, this, uh, discussion with his disciples, John's thrown into prison and, and he sends a message to Jesus saying, wait, is this really your plan for my life? Are you really the Messiah? And Jesus says, yes, yes, I am. And this is my plan for your life. And I mean, so it was a costly statement for John and also rewarding, but not on earth. Right. Yeah. So for Jesus to say to all of us, take up your cross and follow me and mm-hmm. to, um, lose your life for me. Yeah, we just we just want to make the gospel tame, don't we? I, I so much yes. I I so much want to give the whole of my heart to God and serve Him on my terms. Yes, <laughs> it's so true. And the amazing thing is, is like Jesus loves us anyway. Yeah, isn't it so true? Yes. Yeah, right. and and this is the work of God in us god is moving us to want to lay down our lives for him and to be able to lay down our lives for him as paul says in philippians work out your salvation in fear and trembling for it is god who is at work in you to move you to want to do and actually to be able to do the things that god is calling you to Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah. So even that is the work of grace. It's not just the work of grace where he calls me to himself, but then it's the work of grace where he makes my response to him possible. And, and any measure of faithfulness in my life and in yours is because of his kindness and generosity and faithfulness towards us. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that um, it, it did feel so fitting to me. And this is, I saw it with greater clarity when we came to the moment in our sermon series, but that we would end this series where um, Jesus says, I am the word that speaks the heart of God. Do you recognize that? I am the ladder that connects Mm. heaven and earth. Do you Mm. see me as that? I am the temple that is where you can draw near to God and God draws near to you. Do you see me as that? And he keeps going through these metaphors. And then, Mm. and then here's John going, Okay, so there is a fundamental choice. This is who Jesus is. And my saying, I believe it means, Jesus, here, you now occupy the center. Mm -hmm. You come first. You get to, you get to make the call. It is, it is your call to appoint my life's calling to me. Mm -hmm. So here I am. My heart's available. I'm ready to Mm -hmm. say yes. Yeah. And all that it means, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that means. And I, I mean, I just, I keep going back to, um, and we are all human. John was human. We are human and, and God still loves us anyway. And he yeah. still has a calling on our life. Even when we say, wait, 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 this is not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and yeah, and I, I think that that's uh, that is so true. You know, I, I keep coming back to the the Exodus passage where God walks before Moses and he says, I'm the compassionate mm-hmm. and gracious God. I this is the first things that come out of his mouth. He could be saying, I am the the lightning bolt thrower and I am the, the storm whipper upper and I am the the planet creator. And instead he says, I am compassionate towards you. I understand all that makes life so hard for you as a human being. And my heart is generous. It, it is, I'm moved to respond to your plight and to your need. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a picture of who God is. Mm-hmm. What I was just thinking, Michelle was, um, isn't there, isn't it true? You know, if, if this were, if this were just, uh, an adventure outfitter saying, uh, here are some different uh, adrenaline rushing options. You pick the one that you think would be most personally satisfying. And among these other things, doing um, re- uh, rappelling or bungee jumping or climbing to the top of a mountain is giving your life to Jesus. Um, you know, we, we would want that on our terms and we would want to be controlling of that. But this is so much more than just my desire responding to an opportunity. Mm-hmm. This is the core of my being responding to the invitation to be and to do the thing I was created for. And mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that's so striking. And what just struck me is th- this, wait, but I want it on my terms. I want to stay at the center. That isn't the truest response from our hearts, is it? There's there's the, no, 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 please, 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 yes. No, 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 no. But at this deeper part of us, we're saying, oh, it is for this that I was made. I was made to lay down my life for Jesus. It's why I exist. My life will only find ever find its deepest fulfillment as I, as I respond to him in that way. And, and there's a part of me that knows that mm. and sings with that and longs for it. Mm-hmm. It's so eager to give myself over to God. 
Yes. And then there's the part of me that says, God, you can have 80%. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to keep that last 20% for myself. Mm-hmm. Which 20%? I don't know. I reserve the right mm-hmm. to call it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's not. Right. That is Which not is a function. I think that's a function of our will and our heart and our minds getting um, uh, bent and off the tracks as a result mm-hmm. of the fall where they no longer all line up in a way, all pointing to the reality, which is it is for this that I was made. Mm-hmm. And um, so that, of course, yeah, there is, and there will be until the day we die. A part of us, it says, still, I'm holding out part of me from you. Still, mm-hmm. I want it on my terms. Mm-hmm. Still, I'm independent. Still, I want to be calling the shots. That's less and less by the grace of God and by the work of the spirit in us. Will that be the case? But that will remain in us always. But I think that's just because of the, the um, befuddling consequence of the fall that twists our will and our reason and our feelings around from one another instead of aligning them. Yeah. Yes. And it, it, you know, it's, um, it just makes me long for heaven more, right? Like, uh, just to have that completely cleaned out of me, that twisting distortion that the, of the fall and, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of, uh, my analogy for that is, um, you know, I didn't know I needed new walking shoes until I got new walking shoes. And I was like, what What was I doing in those walking shoes for so long? They were so broken down and, um, and the new ones just feel so good. So it's kind of like, or wearing one size too small and you're just, you get the right size shoe and it's like, Whoa, yes. I was missing, you know, I, I'm like, that's what I'm anticipating when I go to heaven on a much grander scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny when you think about Christmas is, is a hundred thousand things being put in front of us and being presented as the thing you desperately need, but you didn't even know it existed until this moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then here's the real heart of Christmas, which is the thing you were made for, but you keep resisting or denying that that is in fact the thing for which that you really do long for and need. And then you, you step into it and you go, "Ah, there it is. There it is. There it is. The shoes I was made to walk in. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I found my, I have found myself this fall just continually saying, God, give me the desire to want to give my heart to you Hmm. because I can't. What a great prayer. And, and it's not something I can conjure up on my own will power. Yep. I just like, you know, I want and the, the to sweet irony that. of that. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say the sweet irony of that being that even praying that prayer comes because God worked in me previously and moved my heart to want to want him, mm-hmm. um, which is so cool. Yeah, yeah. That it's all grace thing. It is. It is absolutely all grace. And, you know, back to John, I, one of the things that, um, that stood out to me in your sermon was the fact that John's ministry had shifted, right? So he was called to be the forerunner and to pave the way for Jesus. And then Jesus came and John, John's ministry had shifted and he had a different purpose now. And, um, which he called my, my purpose is now to diminish or decrease um, or step out to the side 
as Eugene Peterson says, and you know, he's a follower now. Yeah. And I, I thought, man, that is a, I, you know, just thinking of John, the man with that strong personality, that bold, brash presence to speak truth to power. And then Jesus comes and he's like, okay, I'm done. Like the human, you know, in my humanness, I think, oh my goodness, that, that had to be a hard transition. Um, and where am I, where is my ministry changing that I need to just be okay with giving up? How is my identity tied up with my ministry? Basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's yes. the question. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it, it never occurred to me until just now, but for a person who is approaching retirement, this would be a great uh, metaphor of what is, how, how do I, how do I do that transition where away from it's, it's all away from me or even considering a new calling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, the, the, and the, some of this came up in our staff devotional when we were talking about this, um, John, I think models in an incredibly powerful way, kind of what, as I mentioned before, what does it look like to be a follower and what does it look like to be a leader of followers of Jesus mm-hmm. and as a follower of Jesus. But one of the ways he models being a follower so powerfully is that um, he's so clear about where his focus should be. It's all in the Lord. And then, and then he talks about the, the eagerness with which he waits and listens for the bridegroom. And then it's his joy to hear the bridegroom's voice. And I thought, wow, what if that were just the way that I lived my life each day as a follower of Jesus? I come into the day eagerly waiting and listening for the voice of my bridegroom and king. And, and then being full of joy when I hear his voice and I'm blessed to be able to respond in service. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That all that that says about a life of, of, of prayerful attentiveness and, mm-hmm. and, and abiding with Christ, a life and that in which I seek to experience his always presence with me and mm-hmm. stay joined to the vine so yeah. that his fruit would be born through me. Right. Right. Because on our own, we can't bear fruit, not fruit that will last. Right. Yeah. And to go, um, yes, to go back to the, to kind of the summary, you summarized it a little bit of the sermon series of these metaphors in the book of, in the book of the first three chapters of this book of John is that Jesus is the word. And I didn't get like, that's, I thought maybe it was on our devotion page from, from Tuesday, but it's not there, but you have your sermon there. So you can kind of describe what those what that means i didn't get it all written down yeah i think jesus is the word who communicates the heart of god to us mm-hmm. um, and then um, the second metaphor was jesus the is the let me just scroll up to where i have this um jesus is the ladder who opens up mm-hmm. access to heaven i just read in my daily motions this morning, I came to the place where Jacob has that experience of the ladder. Mm-hmm. And so, so cool to flip back and forth between those two accounts. Very powerful. Yeah. Jesus is the wine who brings joy and blessing to thirsty souls. And it takes us from uh, colorless, tasteless life to, uh, to life in its fullness. Jesus is the temple in whom we draw near to God and God draws near to us. And Jesus 
the conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus is the breath of life who brings new life who brings new birth to the world. Mm-hmm. And then he's the new defining center. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I so appreciate that God is gracious enough to describe himself in terms that we understand. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure this is a simplified version of the reality of God, but I couldn't understand it in God's terms, right? Yeah, Michelle, and I love that. And what the, the thought is just that, that strikes me now is how long did God spend building into humanity the meaning, the significance of what a word is. Hmm. Uh, Here's language that's given to us at the start. God speaks a word and then we are able to speak words to each other. And we have thousands of years of practicing using words. And then he says, Hmm. now that you know what a word is, well, I am that for God. And then, you know, all the ways, like he gives us this earlier picture with Jacob. This is what a ladder does. This is the idea of a ladder of heaven. Why don't you dwell on that for a a millennium or so, and then I'll come and fulfill that. This is the wine as the center of, of the community life uh, of celebration, the temple. And that, I mean, I'm just struck by how each of these, mm-hmm. you, you get a sense of, of God's utter resolve to close the distance from the finite to the infinite by giving us these familiar points of reference. I am a father. Mm-hmm. You know what a father is like. I am uh, mm-hmm. I am temple, ladder, wine, breath. Yeah. Um, yeah. How he goes from what we know to what we don't know and can't know apart from his re- revealing it to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, even that is a picture of God's condescension, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And I think like in Islam, they refer so often to God as being the unknowable one. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's so much emphasis placed on the distance between the the worshiper and God. And I love how Christianity says actually just the opposite. It's true. Mm. There's nothing less complex or amazing about God, but look at all of these things that he's done culminating in Jesus himself, God himself coming to us to mm-hmm. make himself known to us. Oh yeah. Glory to God. That, that leads us to Advent, doesn't it? Which is it what's on the other side of Thanksgiving. It does. Absolutely. And a reason to be thankful, which is next week, Thanksgiving. Yeah, and along those lines, uh, just a reminder for those of you who are joining us: the uh, we every year. Wow, this is for tw- almost twenty-five years uh, that I've been here. We have oh. uh, given over the sermon time on our Thanksgiving service, which is this coming Sunday, mm-hmm. to the congregation, the Covenant family, being able to say, "This is this is how why I am grateful to God for how He's been at work in me, through me, around me in the past year." So we do really want to encourage you to come with just a sentence or two that you would be prepared to share with the covenant family uh, mm-hmm. or directly to God, uh, a word of thanks for God's presence and involvement in your life over the past year. Yeah. Yes. And come to the services or watch online. They're going to be yes. wonderful. Um, well, thank you, David, for joining us today. Always thank a joy. You. Oh yes. Always a joy. And thank you, whether you've joined us live or on our blog later, or on our podcast. We are so thankful that you took the time to be with us today. We are thankful for you. 
And um, we will not be meeting next week because of the holiday, um, but we will be back after the uh, in December, I guess, December 1st is the next That's time. That's right, after the first today. Advent sermon. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get ready. <laughs> yeah, here it comes, right around right. the corner. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Have a great day.